What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Section 6 of Inventions in the Century This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Inventions in the Century by William Henry Doolittle Chemistry, Medicines, Surgery, Dentistry Chemistry, having for its field the properties and changes of matter, has excited more or less attention ever since men had the power to observe, to think, and to experiment. Some knowledge of chemistry must have existed among the ancients to have enabled the Egyptians to smelt ores and work metals, to dye their cloths, to make glass, and to preserve their dead from decomposition. So, too, to this extent among the Phoenicians, the Israelites, the Greeks, and the Romans, and perhaps to a greater extent among the Chinese, who added powder to the above-named and other chemical products. Aristotle speculated that the alchemists of the Middle Ages busied themselves in magic and guesswork. It reached the dignity of a science in the 17th and 18th centuries, by the labors of such men, in the former century, as Lebavius, von Helmont, Glauber, Tachinius, Boyle, Lemery, and Becker, Stahl, Borhoff, and Hamburg in both, and of Black, Cavendish, Lavoisier, Priestley, and others in the 18th. But so great have been the discoveries and inventions in this science during the 19th century, that any chemist of any previous age, if permitted to look forward upon them, would have felt like some watcher of the skies when a new planet swims into his ken. Indeed, the chemistry of this century is a new world, of which all the previous discoveries in that line were but floating nebulae. So vast and astonishingly fast has been the growth and development of this science, that before the century was two-thirds through its course, Watts published his Dictionary of Chemistry in five volumes, averaging a thousand closely printed pages, followed soon by a thousand-page supplement and it would have required such a volume every year since to adequately report the progress of the science. Nomenclatures, formulas, apparatuses, and processes have all changed. It was deemed necessary to publish works on the new chemistry, and Professor J. P. Cook is the author of an admirable volume under that title. We can, therefore, in this chapter, only step from one to another of some of the peaks that rise above the vast surrounding country, and note some of the lesser objects as they appear in the vales below. The leading discoveries of the century, which have done so much to aid the chemistry in its giant strides, are the atomic and molecular theories, the mechanics of light, heat, and electricity, 
the correlation and conservation of forces their invariable quantity and their indestructibility spectrum analysis and the laws of chemical changes john dalton that humble child of the english north country quaker stock self-taught and a teacher all his life in eighteen three gave to the world his atomic theory of chemistry whereby the existence of matter in ultimate atoms was removed from the region of the speculation of certain ancient philosophers and established on a sure foundation the question asked and answered by dalton was what is the relative weight of the atoms composing the elementary bodies he discovered that one chemical element or compound can combine with other chemical elements to form a new compound in two different proportions by weight which stand to each other in the simple ratio of one to two and at the same time he published a table of the relative weight of the ultimate particles of gaseous and other bodies although the details of this table have since been changed the principles of his discovery remain unchanged says professor roscoe chemistry could hardly be said to exist as a science before the establishment of the laws of combination in multiple proportions and the subsequent progress of chemical science materially depended upon the determination of these combined proportions or atomic weights of the elements first set up by dalton so that among the founders of our science next to the name of the great french philosopher lavoisier will stand in future ages the name of john dalton of manchester less conspicuous but still eminently useful were his discoveries and labors in other directions in the expansion of gases evaporation steam etc wallison and gay lussac both great chemists applied dalton's discovery to wide and most important fields in the chemical arts also contemporaneous with dalton was the great german chemist berzelius who confirmed and extended the discoveries of dalton more than this it has been said of berzelius in him were united all the different impulses which have advanced the science since the beginning of the present epoch the fruit of his labors is scattered throughout the entire domain of science hardly a substance exists to the knowledge of which he has not in some way contributed a direct descendant of the school of his countryman bergman he was especially renowned as an analyst no chemist has determined by direct experiment the composition of a greater number of substances no one has exerted a greater influence in extending the field of analytical chemistry as to light the great huygens the astronomer and mathematician the improver of differential calculus and of telescopes the inventor of the pendulum clock chronometers and the balance wheel to the watch and the discoverer of the laws of the double refraction of light and of polarization had in the seventeenth century clearly advanced the idea that light was propagated from luminous bodies not as a stream of particles through the air but in waves or vibrations of ether which is a universal medium extending through all space and into all bodies this fundamental principle now enters into the explanation of all the phenomena of light newton in the next century with the prism decomposed light and in a darkened chamber reproduced all the colors and tints of the rainbow but there were dark lines in that beam of broken sunlight which newton did not notice it was left to joseph von fraunhofer a german optician and to the nineteenth century and nearly one hundred years after newton's experiments with the prism to discover with finer prisms that he had made some five hundred ninety of these black lines crossing the solar spectrum what they were he did not know 
but conjectured that they were caused by something which existed in the sun and stars not in our air but from that time they were called fraunhofer's dark lines from the vantage ground of these developments we are now enabled to step to that mountain peak of discovery from which the sun and stars were looked into their elements portrayed their very motions determined and their brotherhood with the earth in substance ascertained the great discovery of the cause of fraunhofer's dark bands in the broken sunlight was made by gustav robert kirchhoff a german physician in his laboratory in heidelberg in eighteen sixty in conjunction with his fellow worker robert bunsen kirchhoff happened to let a solar ray pass through a flame colored with sodium and through a prism so that the spectrum of the sun and the flame fell one upon another it was expected that the well-known yellow line of sodium would come out in the solar spectrum but it was just the opposite that took place where the bright yellow line should have fallen appeared a dark line with this observation was coupled the reflection that heat passes from a body of a higher temperature to one of a lower and not inversely experiments followed iron sodium copper etc were heated to incandescence and their colors prismatically separated these were transversed with the same colors of other heated bodies and the latter were absorbed and rendered black kirchhoff then announced his law that all bodies absorb chiefly those colors which they themselves emit therefore these vapors of the sun which were rendered in black lines were so produced by crossing terrestrial vapors of the same nature thus by the prism and the blowpipe were the same substances found in the sun the stars and the earth the elements of every substance submitted to the process were analyzed and many secrets in the universe of matter were revealed young of america invented a splendid combination of spectroscope and telescope and huggins of finland was the first to establish by spectrum analysis the approach and retreat of the stars it was prior to this time that those wonderful discoveries and labors were made which developed the true nature of heat which demonstrated the kinship and correlation of the forces of nature their conservation or property of being converted one into another and the indestructibility of matter of which force is but another name the first demonstrations as to the nature of heat were given by the american count rumford and then by sir humphrey davy just at the close of the eighteenth century and then followed in this the brilliant labors and discoveries of mayer and helmholtz of germany colding of denmark and jules grove faraday sir william thompson of england and henry leconte and martin of america as to the correlation and convertibility of all the forces the french revolution and the napoleonic wars isolating france and exhausting its resources its chemists were appealed to devote their genius and researches to practical things to the munitions of war the rejuvenation of the soil the growing of new crops like the sugar beet and new manufacturing products lavoisier had laid deep and broad in france the foundations of chemistry and given the science nomenclature that lasted a century so that the succeeding great teachers bertolette guyton fourcroy and their associates and the institutions of instruction in the sciences fostered by them and inspired in that direction by napoleon bent their energies in material directions and a tremendous impulse was thus given to the practical application of chemistry to the arts and manufactures of the century the same spirit to a less extent however manifested itself in england and as early as eighteen two 
we find sir humphrey davy beginning his celebrated lectures on the elements of agricultural chemistry before a board of agriculture a work that has passed through many editions in almost every modern language when the fact is recalled that agricultural chemistry embraces the entire natural science of vegetable and animal production and includes besides much of physics meteorology and geology the extent and importance of the subject may be appreciated and yet such appreciation was not manifested in a practical manner until the nineteenth century it was only toward the end of the eighteenth century that the vague and ancient notions that air water oil and salt formed the nutrition of plants began to be modified davy recognized and explained the beneficial fertilizing effects of ammonia and analyzed and explained numerous fertilizers including guano it is due to his discoveries and publications combined with those of the eminent men on the continent above referred to that agricultural chemistry arose to the dignity of a science the most brilliant eloquent and devoted apostle of that science who followed davy was justus von liebig of germany who was born in darmstadt in eighteen three the year after davy commenced his lectures in england it was a response to the british association for the advancement of science that he gave to the world his great publications on chemistry in its application to agriculture commerce physiology and pathology from which great practical good resulted the world over one of his favorite subjects was that of fermentation and this calls up the exceedingly interesting discoveries in the nature of alcohol yeast mold aging malt wines and beer and their accompanying beneficial results in one of huxley's charming lectures such as he delighted to give before a popular audience delivered in eighteen seventy one at manchester on the subject of yeast he tells how any liquid containing sugar such as a mixture of honey and water if left to itself undergoes the peculiar change we know as fermentation and in the process the scum or thicker muddy parts that forms on top becomes yeast carbonic acid gas escapes in bubbles from the liquid and the liquid itself becomes spirits of wine or alcohol alcohol was a term used until the seventeenth century to designate a very fine subtle powder and then became the name of the whole subtle spirit arising from fermentation it was leeuwenhoek of holland who two hundred years ago by the use of a fine microscope he invented first discovered that the muddy scum was a substance made up of an enormous multitude of very minute grains floating separately and in lumps and in heaps in the liquid then in the next century the frenchman cognard de la tour discovered that these bodies grew to a certain size and then budded and from the buds the plant multiplied and thus that this yeast was a mass of living plants which received in science the name of torula that the yeast plant was a kind of fungus or mold growing and multiplying then came verboni the french chemist at the end of the eighteenth century who discovered that the yeast plant was a bag-like form or cell of woody matter and that the cell contained a substance composed of carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen this was the vegetal animal substance having peculiarities of animal products then came the great chemists of the nineteenth century with their delicate methods of analysis and decided that this plant in its chief part was identical with that element which forms the chief part of our own blood that it was protein a substance which forms the foundation of every animal organism all agreed that it was the yeast plant that fermented or broke up the sugar element and produced the alcohol 
Helmholtz demonstrated that it was the minute particles of the solid part of the plant that produced the fermentation, and that such particles must be growing or alive to produce it. From whence sprang this wonderful plant, part vegetable, part animal? By a long series of experiments it was found that if substances which could be fermented were kept entirely closed to the outer air, no plant would form and no fermentation take place. It was concluded then, and so ascertained, that the toruli in the plant proceeded from the toruli in the atmosphere from gay motes that people the sunbeams. Concerning just how the toruli broke up or fermented the sugar, great chemists have differed. After the discovery that the yeast was a plant having cells formed of the pure matter of wood, and containing a semi-fluid mass identical with the composition which constitutes the flesh of animals, came the further discovery that all plants, high and low, are made up of the same kind of cells and their contents. Then this remarkable result came out, that however much a plant may otherwise differ from an animal, yet in essential constituents the cellular constructure of animal and plant is the same. To this substance of energy and life, common in the minute plant cell and the animal cell, the German botanist Hugo von Moll, about fifty years ago, gave the name protoplasm. Then came this astounding conclusion, that this protoplasm being common to both plant and animal life, the essential difference consisted only in the manner in which the cells are built up and are modified in the building. And from that part of these great discoveries, which reveal the fact that the sugary element was infected, as it were, from the germs of the air, producing fermentation and its results, arose the remarkable theory of many diseases known as the germ theory. And as it was found in the yeast plant that only the solid part or particle of the plant germinated fermentation and reaction, so too it has been found by the germ theory that the only solid particle of the contagious matter can germinate or grow the disease. In this unfolding of the wonders of chemistry in the 19th century, the old empirical walls between forces and organisms, and organic and inorganic chemistry, are breaking down, and celestial and terrestrial bodies and vapors, living beings and growing plants, are discovered to be the evolution of one all-pervading essence and force. One is reminded of the lines of Tennyson. Large elements in order brought, and tracts of calm from tempest made, and world fluctuations swayed in vassal tides that followed thought. One god, one law, one element, and one far-off divine event to which the whole creation moves. In the class of alcohol and in the field of yeast, the work of Pasteur begun in France has been followed by improvements in methods for selecting proper ferments and excluding improper ones, and in improved processes for aging and preserving alcoholic liquors by destroying the deleterious ferments. Takamine in using a ferment, koji, motu, and moyashi, different forms of mold, and proposing to do entirely away with malt in the manufacture of beer and whiskey, has made a noteworthy departure. Manufacturing by malt by the pneumatic process, and stirring malt during germination, are among the improvements. Carbonating. The injecting of carbonic acid into various waters to render them wholesome, and also into beers and wines during fermentation, and to save delay and prevent impurities, are decided improvements. The immense improvements and discoveries in the character of soils and fertilizers have already been alluded to. Hundreds of instruments have been invented for measuring 
analyzing weighing separating volatizing and otherwise applying chemical processes to practical purposes to the chemistry of the century the world is indebted for those devices and processes for the utilization and manufacture of many useful products from the liquids and oils sugar from cane and beets revivifying bone black centrifugal machinery for refining sugar in defecating by its chemicals in heat in evaporating it in pans in separating starch and converting it into glucose etc oils and fats up to within this century the vast amount of cottonseed produced with that crop was a waste then by the process first of steaming the seed and expressing the oil now by the process of extraction by the aid of volatile solvents the casting off of the solvents by distillation an immensely valuable product has been obtained the utilizing of oils in the manufacture of oilcloth and linoleum and rubber has become of great commercial value formerly sulphur was the vulcanizing agent now chloride of sulphur has been substituted for pure sulphur steam and the distillation processes have been applied with great success to the making of glycerin from fat and from soap underlie and in extracting fat from various waste products bleaching and dyeing of course these arts are very old but the old methods would not be recognized in the modern processes and those who lived before the century knew nothing of the magnificent colors and certain essences and sweet savors that can be obtained from the black hand soiling pieces of coal in the making of illuminating gas itself a finished chemical product of the century a vast amount of once wasted products especially coal tar are now extensively used and from coal tar and the residuum of petroleum oils now come those splendid aniline dyes which have produced such a revolution in the world of colors the saturation of sand by a dye and its application to fabrics by an air blast the circulation of the fluid colors or of fluids for bleaching or drying or oxidizing through perforated cylinders or cops on which the cloths are wound devices for running of skeins through dyes the great improvements in carbon dyes in kindred colors the processes of making the colors on the fiber and the perfumes made by the synthetic processes are among the inventions in this field the space that a list of the new chemical products of this age and their description will fill has already been indicated by reference to the great dictionary of watts some of the electrochemical products will be hereinafter referred to in the chapter on electricity and the chemistry of metallurgy will be treated under the latter topic electrochemical methods space will only permit it to be said that these methods are now employed in the production of a large number of elements by means of which very many of them which were before mere laboratory specimens have now become cheap and useful servants of mankind in a hundred different ways such as aluminum that light and non-corrosive metal reduced from many dollars an ounce a generation ago to thirty and forty cents a pound now carborundum largely superseding emery and diamond dust as an abradant artificial diamonds calcium carbide from which the new illuminating acetylene gas is made disinfectants of many kinds pigments chromium manganese and chlorates by the thousand tons the most useful new chemical processes are those used in purifying water sewage and milk in electroplating metals and other substances in the application of chemicals to the fine arts in extracting grease from wool and making of many useful products from the waste materials of the dumps and garbage banks medicines and surgery 
one hundred years ago the practice of medicine was in the main empirical certain effects were known to usually follow the giving of certain drugs or the application of certain measures but why or how these effects were produced was unknown the great steps forward have been made upon the true scientific foundation established by the discoveries and inventions in the fields of physics chemistry and biology the discovery of anesthetics in their application in surgery and the practice of medicine no doubt constitutes the leading invention of the century in this field sir humphrey davy suggested in eighteen hundred and dr w t morton was the first to apply an anesthetic to relieve pain in a surgical operation which he did in a hospital in boston in eighteen forty six both its original suggestion and application were also claimed by others not only relief from intense pain to the patient during the operation but immense advantages are gained by the long and careful examination afforded of injured or diseased parts otherwise difficult or impossible in a conscious patient the exquisite pain and suffering endured previous to the use of anaesthetics often cause death by exhaustion many delicate operations can now be performed for the relief of long continued diseases which before would have been hazardous or impossible how many before suffered unto death long drawn out pain and disease rather than submit to the torture of the knife how many lives have been saved and how far advanced has become the knowledge of the human body and its painful diseases by this beneficent remedy inventions in the field of medicine consist chiefly in those innumerable compositions and compounds which have resulted from chemical discoveries gelatin capsules used to conceal unpalatable remedies may be mentioned as a most acceptable modern invention in this class inventions and discoveries in the field of surgery relate not only to instrumentalities but processes the antiseptic treatment of wounds by which the long and exhausting suppuration is avoided is among the most notable of the latter in instruments vast improvements have been made special forms adapted for operation in every form of injury in syringes especially hypodermic those used for subcutaneous injections of liquid remedies inhalers for applying medicated vapors and devices for applying volatile anesthetics and devices for atomizing and spraying liquids in the united states alone about four thousand patents have been granted for inventions in surgical instruments dentistry this art has been revolutionized during the century even in the time of herodotus one special set of physicians had the treatment of teeth and artificial teeth have been known and used for many ages but all seemed crude and barbarous until these latter days in addition to the use of anesthetics improvements have been made in nearly every form of dental instruments such as forceps dental engines pluggers drills hammers etc and in the means and materials for making teeth later leading inventions have reference to utilizing the roots of destroyed teeth as supports on which to form bridges to which artificial teeth are secured and to crowds for decayed teeth that still have a solid base there exists no longer the dread of the dentist's chair unless the patient has neglected too long their visit pain cannot be all avoided but it is ameliorated and the new results in workmanship in the saving and in the making of teeth are vast improvements over the former methods end of section six